Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Good afternoon. Excited because there are now 10 Republicans running for president. Isn't that awesome? That clown car is filling up. Yeah. You know who got in it this week? Rick Perry. Remember Rick Perry from 2012? Yeah, we all remember 2012, Rick Perry. But Rick says, I am not that guy at all anymore. In fact, he says, Call me Caitlin. <laughs> he really wants to get away from it. Oh, yeah. Oh, why even pretend we're even going to talk about anything else? That's what America is obsessed with this week, is Caitlyn Jenner coming out on the cover of Vanity Fair. And uh, you know what? If he, she... Oh. Oh, you know what? Pronoun police, if you're going to climb up my ass, while you're up there, you can kiss it. Okay? Because it's going to take a minute to get used to it. But... If she makes people accept people who are different, great. Then she's done a great thing. But let's also remember, this is a has-been from reality TV who got breast implants. Okay. This is someone who used to be Kim Kardashian's stepfather and is now Kim Kardashian's stepmother. She's not Rosa Parks. But I'm glad she's happy. And, uh, boy, it's working out well. She already has a, uh, an endorsement deal with MAC Cosmetics. And uh, Did you see the Vanity Fair cover? She looks pretty awesome. Maybe they used the MAC Cosmetics. And I think this is going to be very good for MAC Cosmetics. Oh, I'm going to buy stock in MAC Cosmetics. <laughs> I, uh, you know, can I conceal my crow's feet? Lady, this shit made a 65-year-old former dude look like Brooke Shields. <laughs> Also, this is the oldest woman, 65, to appear solo on the cover of Vanity Fair, which I think sends a very powerful message that you can be a sexy, glamorous senior woman, and all you need is strength, determination, and a dick. <laughs> oh, yeah, she keep, she's keeping the dick. She's got boobs, but keeping the penis. Should have changed her name to Spoiler Alert. What the? Wow, that... <laughs> no, she's, 
She's not lopping off. She's adding on. It's, try to get the permits out here. It's at the, anyway, this is not... <laughs> this is not going over well with everybody on the right. You know, Rush Limbaugh, oh, he says, you know, they're redefining normalcy. I say, great, yeah, for the better. But you know what? Rush says, if you want to make your penis disappear... Do it the old way, like I did. Have your belly fat cover it up. So. <laughs> and I tell you, it seems like everything in the news this week was about sex. This week, the FDA has endorsed female Viagra. Did you see that? They go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have a pill that's not, so, you know, sugarcoat this, that makes women horny. And the experts are already calling it a huge step forward for lazy, unattractive husbands. <laughs> and a big week for child molesters. Um, <laughs> don't applaud that. I, I appreciate the audience's enthusiasm, but we don't. Not, no, no. We're just saying it's a big week. Well, it is. I mean, the things got worse for Dennis Haster. You've been reading about Dennis Haster, former Speaker of the House, uh, who was also a wrestling coach in the 70s and uh, apparently was doing a little more than wrestling with the boys. <laughs> and a woman came forward today and said uh, her brother was one of the victims. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, Dennis Haster, a Republican and... A bit of a hypocrite. Uh, he had a 100% approval rating from the Christian Coalition. Huge opponent of gay rights, which is something I've always said. If, if anti-gay stuff is always coming out of your mouth, something very gay is probably going in. <laughs> it's just true. And also, also, I must say, wrestling as gay as the Greeks who invented it and anyone who wants to be doing it with children, we should keep an eye on. I mean, the first hint that Dennis Hastert was up to something a little weird is when he would pin you, he'd say, say uncle. <laughs> <laughs> and when they did that, he'd say, now call me daddy. See, there, right there, I think, is a red flag. And, of course, you're familiar with the Duggar family, right? Uh, their reality show, 19 and Groping. You've, you've seen that? Okay. How many of you watched that show? Uh, don't tell me who gets molested. I'm taping it. Uh, but apparently when, uh, when Josh Duggar was a teenager, he inappropriately touched four of his younger sisters and the babysitter, who he apologized to. He said, I'm sorry, I thought you were one of my sisters. <laughs> well, to be fair, you can't turn around in that house without inappropriately touching somebody. There's 19 of these freaks. And two, <laughs> and two of the four sisters were on Fox tonight, vigorously defended the brother and endorsed Hastert for president. What the? F <laughs> what, what is it with white people and molesting? But uh, after the, get this, after the parents found out about this activity, they put locks on the sisters' bedroom doors. You know the person who should have had a lock on the door? The wife. <laughs> the wife. 19 children. But here's the, the, the it's, their cover story is that they, not, I guess the, the, what they're saying is that, that Josh just touched the girls over their clothes 
while they were sleeping. He didn't do something really terrible like try to sell a wedding cake to a homo. <laughs> and just... They were sleeping. What's the big deal? He touched them while they were sleeping. And if they'd wake up, he'd just go, quick impression, Bill Cosby. <laughs> All right, we got a great show. Rick Lazio, Nina Turner, Ian Bremmer are here. And a little later, I'll be speaking with the always funny Mr. Lewis ba- Black is backstage. Uh, but first up, he is the former deputy director of the CIA Counterterrorist Center, my old job, an FBI national security branch, and author of The Head Game, High Efficiency Analytic Decision Making, Philip Mudd. Hey, Philip. How you doing? How are you? I've enjoyed you on TV before. Thank you. And, uh... We obviously want you here this week because we're very worried about a lot of security issues. One of them, of course, is the TSA. We found out that... Start with the good story. Well, come on. We found out that 95% in a test from the red team, those are the people who try to see if they're doing their job, 95% of contraband bombs, guns, and stuff gets through. Now, you're the expert. Is 95% bad? (laughs) I... (laughs) Are you talking in the private sector and government? Ah, uh, okay. Touche. <laughs> now, you know, here, let's look at the problem here. If you're sitting in that chair, let's put you in that seat, because I think you'll, obviously seat? you'd be superb in the position of checking handbags at the airport. Let's look at, let, let's look at this for a minute. 650 million passengers a year. You get no pay. It's incredibly boring. And then you get worked by the inspector general's team who knows what the vulnerabilities of the system are. I think if, if you're in a TSA chair, transportation security, you're sitting back saying, hold on a second here. 14 years, we've had no aircraft down. We've radically increased the number of weapons we've taken off airplanes. And we get worked by the inspector general who knows our vulnerabilities. I'm not saying this is good, but I am Sounds saying... Sounds like you are. Sounds like you're part of the problem. I am not part of the problem. You're you're apologizing for 95%? No, what I'm saying is if you're sitting in that chair, you're saying there's multiple metrics here. One would be did planes come down. What you got to do in this situation, though, uh, is step back and say you got to recruit people, you got to train them, you got to have sensor systems, you got to break this down and figure out what went wrong. I, yeah, ninety-five percent is not so good. I yeah, agree I'm that. I'm pissed off. I've been putting the weed up my ass. I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so something, some two. It must be one of two things. Either the terrorists are just over blowing up planes, and they're not trying. Yeah, because certainly, I think not so much. Okay, but 95% gets through and nothing and no plane has come down. I mean, I, you know what I'm worried about is that they heard about this, the terrorists. Oh, hell yeah. And now it's That's like right. there's never been a better time to blow up a plane. That's right. That's the ad that goes out. That's right. So it's either that, that they don't want to, yeah. or something else we are doing is preventing this from happening. Because there's obviously other things in the system that prevent people from getting on a plane. I mean, we've been at this for 14 years. Hopefully, we're marginally better than we were on September 12th of 2001. you got to think about this as tears. you got to go after the adversary in a place like Pakistan or Afghanistan. That's what I used to do. That's capture-kill operations. You take them out in Tier 1. Is that what's preventing it? Is a that, lot of it is. Is that what's working? Yeah, because if you take out the leadership of, a, right. of an organization, an organization needs a strategic direction, leadership. The guys they chased in Al-Qaeda were very strategic, very smart. They were not crazy. You need somebody like that to create a plan that might take three years to take down an aircraft. 
Most of what we got today, if you look at the ISIS guys, is going to be some but, guy with a weapon in New York who says, I want to behead a policeman. That's a different game. Okay. I want to get to that in a second. But one more question about the TSA, because yeah. I don't know why we can't have airport security like Israel does. Nobody well, wants... Are you kidding me? I mean, Israel's the size of Delaware. There's like one airport there. They profile people, which we don't allow to do in this country. Should we? Uh, no, I don't think we should. Really? No. People in your... Please. People in your profession... Oh, we'd love to do it. <laughs> and you do... And you not only love to do it, that's what you do all day, as you should. All police work is profiling to yeah. some degree. Yeah. The problem is people can't keep two things in their head at the same time. One that the vast majority of Muslims, of course, are not terrorists, but two, most terrorism comes from Muslims. Both of things yeah. are indisputably true. Sure. Correct? That's correct. Okay. So don't tell me that the people in your profession don't profile. They just don't say it out loud. Well, but hold and on. even the liberals who would boo the idea that we're profiling secretly like that you people do it. But hold on a second. We profile already. Look, we profile already. We profile old people who don't have to take their shoes off. So we've taken a step in this direction. What you're talking about is, <laughs> like, I, I suspect, okay. so what you're talking about is, for example, saying in my business, Pakistani Americans, Bangladeshi Americans, Somali Americans, these are typically, if you look at terrorism in the United States or Europe, typically people who might be susceptible for recruitment. 2007, 2008, I'm sitting at the FBI. Our biggest concern was Somali kids, first generation from Minneapolis, getting recruited to go to Mogadishu. So if you want to sit here in America, the land of the free and the home of the brave, and say, I'm going to put a yellow star on everybody. That's who's not what we're saying. Well, what are you saying then? We went quite a bit of a, a leap there to a yellow star. To be, to be asked you want if, me to pick somebody to up be because asked of their ethnic extra background. You know what? I'm Irish-American. Yeah. If the IRA was conducting a worldwide jihad yeah. against Americans, I would not be upset at all if they pulled me out of line and just asked me a few questions as an Irish-American. I'd understand that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. Well, maybe that's why you don't have the job anymore. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so let's... <laughs> Let's uh, let's talk about what you. They, 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 they got a guy in Boston this week. A yeah. guy, a guy uh, named uh, Us, Osama Rahim. Okay, he was tracked on the website. Right, yep, that's yep. how they got onto him. Yep. Uh, they saw him. Uh, the police. They were. They approached him. He had his. He was going to behead a cop. Yeah. He had his beheading knife. They yep. approached him. He reached for the knife. Next thing you know, boom, boom. Hello, virgins. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Isn't this the best way to, to attack terrorism? By hanging out on the websites like the, they were doing? Yeah, with this? the problem is what you're seeing is one case. What we got to do in the business I was in is you got to boil down an ocean to come up with one case. That is, if you're talking about 330 million Americans and the FBI director is talking about 50, 50 states, each of which has at least one case, in, in, in uh, states like California and New York, you've got potentially hundreds of cases. You cannot direct the resources to follow everybody who crops up on the radar. The kinds of guys in Boston, when you're putting well, surveillance on somebody... Maybe if we somebody, didn't spend so much money giving cops armored personnel carriers, we'd have the resources. 
maybe the resources are just being badly allocated. No, I don't agree with that. Look, really? Uh, Do you think we need a trillion dollar defense budget when no, we only I'm, spend thirteen billion on cybersecurity? No, what I'm saying is everybody. That's where the real threat is. Everybody who crops up on a website who says something nasty is not somebody I can find. I got to look right. for a sign that they've got access to weapons I, or explosives. Right. They've been look. You go to the DMV. Twenty five percent of America's nuts. I mean, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, there's something I can agree with you on. I mean, but, right. but seriously, the number of people who are cropping up on uh, websites who are susceptible to this ideology is higher than you would expect. And you've got to figure out which of them right. merit things like surveillance, because that's a lot of people on I this. I appreciate your expertise. I'm profiling you as a good guest. <laughs> Thank you, Philip Mudd. Shake my hand. All right. Thank you, sir. Let's meet our panel. President of the Eurasia Group, whose latest book is Superpower, Three Choices for America's Role in the World, Ian Bremer. Ian, good to have you with us. She's a former state senator from Ohio who is now an assistant professor at history at Cuyahoga. Cuyahoga, you got it. Cuyahoga. You know, I went to Cornell, Cuyahoga. That was Kaya something, the river there. But this is Ohio. Ohio, yeah. It's your community college there. Nina Turner. Welcome aboard, Nina. Uh, he's a Republican who knows what it's like to run against Hillary Clinton. Hey. <laughs> Former U.S. Representative from New York, current partner at the Jones-Walker Law Firm. Rick Lazio is back with us. Rick, good to see you again. See you, Remember Joe. to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us your questions for night's overtime so we can answer them after the show on YouTube. I want to start tonight with an anniversary. Uh, it's the 800th anniversary of the Magna Carta this month. How many people were planning a big party? Um, <laughs> that's right. Magna Carta is not just a Jay-Z song. Uh, <laughs> And uh, as a history buff, I love this because, you know, the thread of the Magna Carta is what runs through our Fourth Amendment. Our founders talked a lot about the Magna Carta. It was signed 1215 A.D. there in Runnymede, England. And a lot of the principles, especially in the Fourth Amendment, that the king has to have a very good reason to come into your house, read your mail, or take your Xbox, uh, that... (laughs) He is, <laughs> that he is not above the law. The, a man's home is his castle. This all comes from Magna Carta. Just show a little bit of the Magna Carta and then the Fourth Amendment. I'll show you how close they are. No free man shall be seized or imprisoned or stripped of his rights or possessions except by the lawful judgment of his equals, by the law of the land. Look at our Fourth Amendment. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated but upon probable cause. Uh, It's interesting that this is the week when the Patriot Act, which is the thing that kind of undid the Fourth Amendment. I mean, we were all on that page from the early 13th century until the day after 9-11. And now we've finally gone a step toward overturning the Patriot Act. They did it this week. And uh, Edward Snowden had an op-ed today. Mr. Stoughton said, we are witnessing the emergence of a post-terror generation, one that rejects a worldview defined by a singular tragedy. Do you think he's right? I think it was sort of inevitable that you'd find a new balance this many years after 9-11 when people were quick to kind of focus on making sure that we did everything we possibly could to prevent another attack. 
And I think it was a good thing to have a healthy debate on the Patriot Act. It's been passed we previous really? to it. I think we had a pretty good I don't think people Were should... Were you miss- in Congress then? No. I was, I was out by the time the first Patriot Act was passed. But uh, people should not be... Dis- I mean, it is true that it's good that the government is not going to control... Although there's only about 43 or 44 people in the government that were reviewing all those telephone logs. We're now going to have the telephone companies control that. It's better than the government doing it. I understand that argument. On the other hand, people should not be deluded that they don't have a privacy issue. It just is going to be on the private side now. Yeah, the phone company is going to do it. I don't think we really... Let freedom reign. I mean, we didn't have a real debate about the Patriot Act. We really didn't. I mean, it happened 9-11, nerves were fried, and right. we dealt with it. People were getting fired. Right. I mean, but we were in the heat of the moment. Yes, so I remember. <laughs> I do, too. And, and it was passed, but maybe it is time to take a step back a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, what really disturbs me about this whole thing, and I know Rand Paul did his thing, but, you know, for him to, to make money off of off of his rants over standing up against the Patriot Act. Really, What's he doing? We're making really, money. Really, with the with the selling of the of his items for his presidential runs. So, oh, yeah. Okay. He's well, got to raise it somehow. Uh, of all yeah. the quibbles we yeah. could make, but but still, me, I mean, would you, be way down you're, on you're my you're list. You're trivializing. Shit, I care about. You're trivializing. <laughs> trivializing. Uh, okay. my, 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 my issue here is I'm not prepared to lionize Snowden in any way, shape, or form. I'm absolutely delighted that we actually know what's going on. But, no, I mean, the fact is, I mean, we, we're, we're actually at virtual war with China right now. And he went to Hong Kong, and then he went to Russia, where he sits today. And, and the notion that none of that information is going to countries that have none of the rights... Let's not talk about the Fourth Amendment, but none of the rights that we enjoy in this country. I'm delighted that we've taken one small step to get away from the extraordinary overreaction this country made after 9-11. But let's not pretend that we're actually focusing on the big issue out there, which is that we are actually at virtual war with a country that's soon to be the largest economy in the world. Well, when you say virtual war, I mean... You're referring to what happened today when the Chinese hacked into our system. They took the, I think, the government. Yeah, four, the government. Yeah. Four, I mean, this four is million. Uh, yeah, virtual is not good. Virtual is not good. Certainly not. Certainly better than nuclear war. Yeah, absolutely. Or or hot war. Right. We would never. I mean, we can't. But yes, that's that's where right. the next fight is. I mean, someday you're going to wake up and you're going to find out your retirement account is empty. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you, the nice OnStar voice in your car will say, pull over. It now belongs to a Russian teenager named Dimitri. I, I, I'll tell you. That's why I say, I was telling him, we should spend more than $13 billion you know, on it's, that it's, when most of the money goes to fight Russia in 1980. It's, you're both right. It's incredibly important. I would say in almost all major corporate boards now, they're spending an increasing amount of time talking about sure. cybersecurity. And definitely at the, Sony. Yeah, it's definitely at Sony. <laughs> yeah. But among a number of companies, and it's, you know, it's not just a privacy issue, it's also a viability issue for a company. I mean, the ability to manipulate a nuclear reactor from a from a remote location is a form of cybersecurity. But when, when Mr. Snowden says we are in a post-terror generation, I, I feel like we're in a post-terror generation until there's another attack. Yeah, right. until, that's, until that's, that's You exactly. know, I, I think we are one attack away from President Lindsey Graham. And I say that because <laughs> Lindsey Graham is one of the four candidates who got in in the last week. And uh, Lindsey Graham is the one who unabashedly says, if you don't like war, don't vote for me. He said that. They asked him, they said, aren't the, aren't the American people tired of war? He said, then don't vote for me. He wants war everywhere. He, th- he is always shitting his pants about ISIS. And... But, <laughs> I mean, 
Oh, y'all. <laughs> no, no, no I'm not. I, definitely not. I mean, they're, it, they are a problem. We, we get that they're a problem. But my God, are we well, going to fight our way out of everything? What I want to deal with is, is, is what's happening domestically, how we don't take exactly. care of the hopes and the dreams of the people in this country. It's you just, know, Bill, it's a, I mean, it, I'm tired of it. There's always a boogeyman. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I, I saw this week fighting with the, the ISIS is now fighting against the Taliban. They beheaded 10 Taliban. And they're fighting with Assad. In Syria, Assad is covering, giving cover for them. Okay. What I'm saying is we can't even tell from week to week who's on whose side. (laughs) Shouldn't we just get out? Shouldn't we? Can't we sit this one out? And this is what your book is about, right? That we have to stop seeing ourselves as indispensable. Well, my point is that we have candidates now that are saying that we see ourselves as indispensable. John McCain wants to bomb a lot of countries, but if you ask me, would those policies lead to different outcomes on the ground? No. No one's prepared to stand up and actually say the American people are prepared to pay the tab to truly destroy ISIS. We can talk about destroying ISIS, but we're not going to actually do it. Of course not, because it's an idea. It's an idea. I hear, I hear them on the media all the way stuck this week about, uh, is ISIS operational in the United States? Well, not in the sense that they have a recruitment office, but in the sense that it's an idea. Of course, an idea is, as long as there's an internet and lots of people who think jihad is a good idea, it's operational in the I mean, U.S. It's, it's you don't a, need a structure. You, I mean, it's a reality that we have to deal with, but there's some other realities we have to deal Much with. Much bigger realities. I mean, people don't get up for decent. They get up for good and for great. And it's funny how we can come together to fight boogeymen in other places, but we can't come together to do what is right for the citizens of this country. I want to see some of those tax dollars bills spent right here. I'm I'm sick of it. You know that we spent uh, $4 billion building roads in Afghanistan? Right. And the trains here can't get from Right, that's right. Falling apart. Uh, uh, $3 trillion on the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Since the Soviet Union has collapsed, the biggest damage that's been done to the United States has been that wrought on us by ourselves following 9-11. And most Americans understand that, and they're reacting to it. I mean, he wants to get into Syria, Lindsey Graham does. Uh, This is why he and McCain make beautiful music together, because they're in hand-to-hand on this. He wants to fight Assad and ISIS in Syria. I hear all these Republicans talking about we should be supporting the rebel groups in Syria. Can you name a rebel group that we should be... Hillary, anybody, Hillary anybody tried here? that. Can she anyone tried. name, name a rebel group it, that we should be supporting? Because no. yeah, I, I can't. There's a number of, of rebel groups. So there's, so there's uh, obviously in, in, in um, the government of Syria, obviously Who? Assad. We're, we're with them now. Yeah, no, 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 we're not with them. We're okay. not with them. So we, Assad we, is, Assad but we stop is, talking out loud about how we're against them. Right, well, we're with them before no, no. we were against them before we were No, with them I, don't think we any, were I don't think there's any confusion about the fact that we do not want Assad back. I mean, here, here, oh, no, we do a, want Assad. Here, here, we just won't say it out loud. Our official here, policy because is it's either Assad, Assad or ISIS. Go. Right. Our official policy remains Assad must go. We have no intention of actualizing that. But, right. Okay, so what, what, what do you do in the hypothetical, okay, the hypothetical, that ISIS does consolidate, expand, the Saudis fall, they control... The Saudis the fall. The Saudis fall, wow. okay. We're talking about a 10 or 15 or 20-year operation. And all of a sudden, I say Israel is encircled, okay, with people Israel's that want to destroy. encircled now. They've no, been no, encircled no. for 60 years. No, but by, years. in a way, where they, we have complete commitment to annihilate them. Oh, so well, then what's our, what's our role now? Well, what, what, do we, what do we do then? 
first of all, Israel probably could take care of ISIS. If they had, if they to. wanted to. They're a lot closer, and they don't feel the need to do it. So why do we? we, we are, Who do you think ISIS wants to get but first? But the question Us is, we're going to inevitably go in in that scenario. But the problem is that look, ISIS is a threat to the United States. Don't get me wrong, but let's be clear: ISIS is a vastly greater threat to, let's say, France, where eight percent of the population is Muslim. ISIS is a vastly greater threat to Turkey, where there are two million refugees from the Syrian war that are sitting there right now that we're not paying for. We're not taking them on board. There have been four million refugees from Syria, we've taken less than a thousand. That number to me seems small. It's if the Statue of Liberty didn't exist. But we, we, it's very hard to make the argument that the United States should be paying the, 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 the large piece of this in blood and treasure when none of the people in the region are really prepared to step up. So, so, so why haven't we created that alliance? That's the answer. That's the question. Why have we not created that alliance? You're absolutely right. Turkey's got a large stake in this. France, Because we Europe. never let them do it themselves. We never take off the training wheels. I've said this before on this show. I once added up all the people in all the armies that say in all the countries that they're against ISIS. It's five million men. ISIS has, what, 30 or 40,000? You mean the five million people from Turkey and Saudi Arabia and Jordan and Egypt, they all couldn't get together and handle this if they had to? Of course they could if they had an existential threat. But Uncle Sugar is always there having their back. They're not, they they're not happy. Well, they don't believe we have their back today, to be fair. And the what? Saudis... No, no the, Saudi, the Saudis, that's a reason they didn't show up course, for that yeah. summit that Obama put together. But that I, does... But, but their, their willingness the, the to not just put troops on the ground, their willingness to talk to mullahs within their countries and say, we will not tolerate for you to continue to proselytize radical Islam, they aren't doing that. And until they do, I don't care what we send over there, it's not going to work. Right. Well, That's what worries me about indispensable America. May- maybe if they got taken over, we'd have to get off the oil. Okay. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Turn your air conditioning off. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is graduation month, and uh, we've done this before on this show. If you're anybody here is graduating or knows someone who's graduating this month, a very joyous occasion. And... Uh, At the graduation ceremonies, the students have taken to writing little messages on their caps, like, thanks, Mom and Dad, I love you, or hire me. That's a very popular one. It always seems impossible until it's done. Well, in these difficult times, the millennials, you know, they write different things on their caps that are a little more pointed. Would you like to see some of the ones we took pictures of? Okay. Uh, For example, if you can read this, you obviously didn't go here. (laughs) Thanks, Mom, and the woman who used to be Dad. (laughs) Hire me or I'll join ISIS. Oh, right there. We do need to do something. PhD in science, but willing to deny global warming. Texaco, call me. (laughs) Thank you, Sigma Alpha Epsilon, for not raping me. (laughs) We'll work for Adderall. Clueless, incompetent, TSA, hire me. (laughs) Zero student debt. Thanks, sugardaddies.com. And come loud, I sure do. All right, that that one's always a winner. He is a comedian and writer who stars as the character Anger in the new Pixar film Inside Out, opening in theaters June 19th. Lois Black is over here. Lois Black. How are you, my friend? You're looking good. You 
looking good for someone who's older than Bruce Jenner. Uh, not Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner. See, I yes. did it again. So, did you ever think you'd be on this show plugging yourself in a blockbuster cartoon movie? No. No, Great. that is... Uh, that never, uh, even even doing acid is uh, my youth. <laughs> I wouldn't have, never, right. the vision never came. And it, says, and it says something about the niche that you have carved out for yourself, because you play a character called Anger, that you are so associated, you, you so own Anger, <laughs> that when even the Pixar people, the cartoon people said, yeah, we got a character named Louis Black. <laughs> Nobody else on our list get Lewis Black. <laughs> now, are you really as angry as that? You don't seem like you really are. Well, I, uh, you get me a newspaper at about 10 o'clock with one of those things that you know and I know set us off. Right. Uh, I can be gone by 10.03. <laughs> you know, you go, really? Right. Really? <laughs> really? This is... You know, you read the newspaper now. I, You're I, doing it now. I know. I, I can now see I'm it. upset. Yeah, I, I, I see. I, it's rising. Well, in... it's when you read the thing right. and you go, it's... am I reading fiction? Right. Exactly. If this was fiction, sure. this would be a good day. This is real. Right. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and are you okay with being so associated with this one? I guess you are now that you got a big part in a big movie. Well, you know, it, it's... it's, it's you know, I, I tour the country as a comic. I make a, I made a really good Europe, living off of you, you it. Got, I, I was just in Europe touring, and I heard that you were there a lot. Yeah, I, 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 I was there last summer. And you love it. It was really, a, it was They're really great, great, right? It the the audience, it's, I, I started every show by saying, first of all, I apologize. I'm speaking my language in your country because yeah. I'm a victim of American education. LAUGHTER uh, it's amazing that not only can they all speak perfect English. I mean, I did shows in Amsterdam. I did them in Oslo. I did them in, in Stockholm. But they get every nuance. You don't, have to, you don't have to tailor your act. You don't have to do anything. Just do your act. Yeah, you do your act. Sometimes you have to tailor your act if you're, like, in Toledo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you right, didn't really exactly. have to yeah. do it there. Yeah, right. It was really... Uh, but I got to say one thing. You know, oh, stop. Oh, I, I, oh stop. Oh, yeah, she's That's from... Cold. Cold. Right. That's Ohio. That's okay. I just right. played right. Toledo. Right. Yeah, there could have been anywhere. <laughs> don't, don't cut but into I, my joke time. Yeah, but... <laughs> I get a few of these in. But I, I got to say, you know, I, until you get up to something uh, it's up close, you don't really understand. I took the train from Stockholm to Oslo. It's Amtrak. I've always heard Europe, you know, everything is gleaming and perfect. and they sh Not everything. Yeah. Not yeah. everything. It's exactly Amtrak. It's slow. It makes a million stops. That looks like it's from 1950 in the inside. There's no food. Yeah, so, no, exactly. And I went, I can't believe you brought so this there, up. So there, Europe. Yeah, because no, I, went, I went from Oslo to Trondheim, which is, a, which wow. is it's in Trondheim is in Norway, but as a Jew, there's still kind of a woo-woo. Trondheim doesn't sound, sounds I a little see. Germanic. Right. So, right. But the exact same thing. The, the, right. the train is, uh, and it also says the most beautiful train ride you'll ever take. Yeah. And so I get on the train, and it it's a two, but it's, you don't get on the train. It's a two-hour bus ride because that part of the track is under construction. So we take a bus two hours to get to the train where there's, 
I'm looking for water. There's no water on the train and there's another six hours. And, uh, and, every, and, we, and you're passing through this beautiful countryside, but there's sheep everywhere. And so the, they blast this horn indiscriminately. So you can never, you can't, it's like, Gah! and then you kind of settle in and, Gah! and you just, and then there's another sheep. And so it just got to be brutal after right. a while. It's, it, you know, it was, I thought, wow, and it made me pine for Amtrak. All right. Well, speaking of sheep, another thing we have in common. <laughs> The thing that we have in common is we're both lifelong bachelors. Yes. <laughs> not that we're fucking sheep. No, that's not really where I was going. But uh, I, I, I'm just wondering because, you know, I remember back in the 90s having to, like, sort of stand up for people who wanted to just not get married. I've become less vocal about it because I think the country has changed. And yeah. now we're in a place where anything's okay. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner's cool. And I feel if that's cool then there should be no stigma about people like us who wanted to spend our whole life as bachelors, right? Good luck. <laughs> you think there's still a stigma? We need a movement? We're going to need something. I mean, you know, because you're still going to get it. I still get it, you know, when, they, when people mean? come up to me like in an airport and a couple comes up and, they, and, uh, and to say hi and, oh, you're not angry all the time. And... Uh, and, they, and they'll say, uh, are you married? And I go, no, I'm single. And they give you a, like, oh, you know, a look of what a, what a sad little man. <laughs> Why do you breathe? Why do you right. breathe? Why are you even taking up space here? Well, that's, uh, that's, that's so wrong because I feel like with, with this Caitlyn Jenner thing, which, you know, again, we're all like struggling a little bit to understand it completely. We're, we're for it, whatever makes a man happy, but I mean, I mean a woman happy. <laughs> but but that, that's the thing. He, he says he wants to date women, but he has a penis. Yeah, I, is he a, but he's dressed like Betty Grable on the cover of the... Yeah. Is he a lesbian? I, I boy, you answer. Yeah. <laughs> I am, <laughs> I am prepared to wait till hell freezes over for your answer, sir. Is he a lesbian? <laughs> you, Lewis Black, answer that question. I mean, wow. I don't know why wow. he has to answer. Uh, boy, I have not I mean, I, I, right. have to I don't talk know. to a all doctor. I, all I know is a gay, <laughs> gay, gay seems so. Simple now. Well, gay's easy. Gay's the new straight. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is gay. It's not even hip anymore. They just want to get married. What what Caitlin's doing? That's tits and dick and yeah. social security. That's yeah. you know he's that's where the cutting edge is. I have to say, I, when we were, when I was in Copenhagen, they have different advertising, you know, than than we do here. Outdoor advertising, like uh, you know, there was these this advertising for breast enhancement on a bus. And it was the, the, the most beautiful breasts I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, I thought, and I have to say for a moment, uh, and, I, and it, I wanted them for myself. Right. I, I wanted that surgery for me. Because you're a sad little man. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you. Oh. <laughs> no, I was gonna, about Caitlyn Jenner. Because yeah. you're, a, you're a Northeast Republican, right, which, right. you know, those are the same ones. Uh, there's been an awful lot of pushback against Caitlyn Jenner this week from Mike Huckabee and, and Rush Limbaugh, the usual suspects. What do you think? Now, he's a Republican. Caitlyn Jenner. She is. 
Yes. You're a screw up. You're a screw up. <laughs> I, never I know. I'm, okay. I'm, yeah. Yeah. She's a Republican. Republican Party should welcome her to the fold. Really? Yes. Absolutely. At the convention. I, yes. This. Yes. What are the odds we're going to see Republicans? The RNC. Republicans want if they want to be a governing majority. This is sixty. This is different than transgender, but sixty-one percent of young Republicans favor same-sex marriage. 43% of Republicans under 49. So the stereotype that Republicans are against same-sex marriage is wrong. They may hear it from their leaders occasionally on public TV, but that's not the rank and file. Don't you need to embrace Hispanics as Republicans before you can get the yes, transgender? Yes, right. yes, that's oh. the other deal. That's very good. Republicans that you quoted, they are not the ones running for office. I mean, I would love well, to see some of them the RNC some is going to be held George in Pataki Cleveland. In Cleveland. And they need to allow Caitlyn Jenner there to speak right there in good old Cleveland, okay, well, Ohio. But, I, but you know what? We'll take her. I, I want her to become a Democrat. Caitlyn, call a sister if you want to run for office. I got your back. Okay. I got your back. But I, I don't know if that's because, you know, Look, people from both sides of the aisle have said for years, we are in a state in this country, we are too partisan. And I think this week was the ultimate example of that because I saw the red team get their back up about the Duggar guy. So they were basically brushing off child molestation because he's one of them and attacking Caitlyn Jenner because that's the blue team. Two words, Bill, seek help. They need to right. seek yeah. help. Right. Yeah. But they, you're, you're either on, like, team transgender or team molester. And I think, <laughs> I think we won this one. I think we look good on this one. But, okay, let me ask about the Duggars, because to me, these are the biggest freaks in the world. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen this show, but the father, the father of 19, and he's always leering because he's married to the wife. 19 kids, and he still wants to get in there. This is the sickest, freakiest thing. This is like plate men think this is sick. People who want to get punched in the face think this is weird. If it was like... But once again, it's like fiction and reality. If this was uh, a fictional show about 19, a family of 19 uh, out on the prairie uh, during the Homestead Act, and you need this many kids to farm... Then this thing would work. <laughs> then I right. could watch it. Well, I, well, how did it go well, this long, though? How, go, I mean, how, do you, how do you have a show that has 19 kids that goes this long without having some form of serious transgression or felony? I mean, I mean just with those numbers, something bad is going to happen. <laughs> well, and also, how, how selfish is it in this day and age to have 19 children? This, I mean... No. I mean, why is that selfish? Why is that selfish? Because we have a population issue. If you've never read the statistic that if everyone lived as an American, we would need five planet Earths for the resources. It's because they read in their dusty old stupid book things like be fruitful and multiply, which made sense when there was eight people on Earth. But But does it now? It's beyond selfish. I'm not gonna blame the children, right? I mean, they're. Well, I'm not gonna blame. No, I'm blaming the parents. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, they can have nine and one child. Well, they they shouldn't. One child. Well, then the parents have one child. But they're having two for you and two, so there's really. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. 
any time you sexually repress, as religion always does, this is what happens. Whose religion sexually oppresses? Everybody's religion. Oh, okay. To a degree, sexually represses. <laughs> but they want they, us to be fruitful and multiply. Parents don't that's, that's the paradox. They hate sex, but have as many kids as you right. can. Right. Well, you got to do, you got to have both going well, on. Right? Well, yes, but only yeah. within the confines of marriage. But, you know, they, they wear the prairie outfit sometimes. Mm. Just like the Muslims wear the burqas. Do you know that ISIS this week banned pigeon flying. I'm not joking. Did you see this? I saw this. Pigeons. How good is their eyesight, by the way? Because I, I, there, tell, ISIS tell bans that. pigeon breeding punishable by public flothing because seeing birds' genitals overhead offends Islam. I mean, why are they How? staring at wow. Why are they I, I've seen lots of pigeons flying. I've never noticed their balls <laughs> once. <laughs> your eyes but wait a minute. Wait but a this minute. is not that different. That's a great... This is not that different than the Duggars. No, well, but let's think well, about this, this is not as an alternative to drones. If we can list those <laughs> pigeons to crap all over them. All right. It's just not that different. When you're sexually repressed, I mean, how fucked up do you have to be to be worried if, about a pigeon if getting you're ISIS hard? And pi- you should not be looking up when they're a pigeon. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even notice I, the genitals when I'm like a foot away from them. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, where's that, where's that pigeon's nuts? <laughs> Next time someone sees you in an airport, they're going to, would you like a pigeon, Mr. Black? Uh, okay, so uh, Hillary Clinton, this, yes, today, uh, was talking about registering every single American 18 years old to vote unless they opt out. I don't know why we haven't done this already. Amen to that. And uh, I got to, you know... I got to give it to the Republicans. With a straight face, they keep talking about the problem of voter fraud. Right. But, you know, this has been studied. They have a hard time finding any of it. They did a big study in 2012, 10 out of 146 million. That's how many people in in-person voter fraud. These are the, the anti-voter yeah. laws that lots... And Hillary named the name names. She said Rick Perry did this. The court struck down his law as anti-minority. Uh, Scott Walker prevents college kids from voting. You know, you can't vote in the, in the state. if It's a different state where you're from, where you mm-hmm. go to college. Jeb Bush purged the rolls. Chris Christie, early voting, wouldn't allow that right. in New Jersey. Come on. Republicans cheat. You have that's how, that's their strategy you gotta, you gotta to cheat. win an election, right. to, is to, to cheat. To beat them, you got to cheat them. cheating. Right? That's how There's they roll. There's no other way around it. It's cheating. There's one study that shows that you have a greater chance of being struck by lightning than you do for somebody to impersonate, walk in and imperson, impersonate somebody at the ballot box. I mean, this is nothing more than if you can't beat them, you cheat them. And that is exactly what they're doing. Okay. But, but wait. So one of her criticisms is that states shouldn't have a single day of voting, right? They should have 20 or 20. more days, 20 right? minimally. Her home state, which I'm quite familiar with, yes. she was a senator from New York, has one date. Well, she's working to change Yeah, but why was she not saying anything about it when she was in a position as an authority to do something about it? Well, she did something when she was in in, in the Senate. 
I mean, it's campaign bill. time. But no, it's no, this time. is bigger than no, campaign look, if time. No, look, if she's not going to take, she's not going to take any questions. If she's not going to take any questions, this is an easy layup. There's no question. And she's not ready to take questions. She doesn't want to do difficult issues. Don't say that she doesn't want to do difficult issues. She has been the senator of New York, the secretary of state. She does difficult issues all the time. She will answer those questions. She's already said. She is right there talking about TPP. But this is off the point. Well, the point is, is about voting. Right, Mr. And Lord. the point is about voting and not Hillary, who could give a shit. The point is, we're discussing voting. That's right. That's right. And the fact is, you can't even get people who want to vote to vote. There's your character, right. anger. That's true. That's All true. Right. That's the real scandal. Thank you, anger yeah. and panel. You were terrific, but it's time for new rules. Now that America has helped the rest of the world address the problems at FIFA, it has to help the rest of the world address an even bigger world problem. Speedos on their beaches. <laughs> Here's how it's going to work. If there are too many Speedos on your beaches this summer, sanctions will be drawn up and enforced. But if you combine a Speedo with gold chains, we invade. That's <laughs> Now that Dennis Hastert can be added to the list of those who pushed for the impeachment of Bill Clinton, then later got busted for their own sex scandals, along with Newt Gingrich, Bob Livingston, and Henry Hyde, from now on, the four of them must be referred to as the impeachable. <laughs> hmm? Maybe you could be in that one, too. <laughs> New rule, Cameron Crowe doesn't have to apologize for casting Emma Stone as an Asian in his new movie. There's nothing inherently racist about having a white person play an Asian. Just ask Jerry Lewis and Mickey Rooney. <laughs> new rule, if you're banning pigeon breeding as ISIS did, because the sight of their genitalia as they fly overhead is offensive to Islam, You've got bigger problems than the infidel. Pigeons are harmless and take flight the moment they're startled. No, wait, that's the Iraqi army. <laughs> well, either way, why not embrace the more obvious rational solution, fitting the pigeons with tiny little pigeon burkas? <laughs> Nero, someone has to pull Chris Christie aside. <laughs> someone has to pull Chris Christie aside and tell him the lap band goes on the inside. <laughs> this is a real picture of something Chris Christie did sober and on purpose this week at a charity event. A charity event to turn women into lesbians. Sammy Sosa, meet Sammy Sofa. <laughs> hey, make fun of how Christie looks all you want. He did hit a double, and it's nice to hear about a conservative getting to second base this week, besides Josh Duggar. Anyway. <laughs> and finally, new rule, conservatives who constantly whine that Christianity is under attack from liberals have to explain why there are over 300,000 churches in the U.S., but only 400 Whole Foods. <laughs> Clearly, your side is winning. 
Now, I understand it. Christians love to feel persecuted. It's part of their origin story. But we're a long way from them getting eaten by lions in the Colosseum. Seventy percent of the country is Christian, not to mention every president we've ever had. So please tell me, in what universe do the following statements make sense? Mike Huckabee says we are moving rapidly toward the criminalization of Christianity. (laughs) Ted Cruz says there's no room for Christians in today's Democratic Party. What? 80% of Democrats in Congress are Christian, and 78% of Democratic governors. You can look this shit up, you know. (laughs) Ted also said there is a liberal fascism that is going after Christian believers. Going after? Fascism? I don't even believe in Christ, but for Christ's sake. Martyr much? Bill O'Reilly says, if you're a Christian or a white man in the USA, it's open season on you. (laughs) Yes, that explains all those recent videos of police shooting unarmed white clergymen. Rick Santorum says the treatment of Christians in America is so bad, we should keep in mind Nazi Germany, where you go from Christians, Jews obviously, but also Christians being not just persecuted, but put to death. Again, 70% of America is Christian. Who's going to put them to death, the Hindus? This idea that everybody on the left is plotting against Christianity and wants to wipe out religion is offensive to me because I'm the only media figure with a show week in and week out that says that. And I'll be damned if the credit's going to go to the entire left when I'm doing all the heavy lifting. (laughs) Well, well, actually... There are two others who have been my allies in this. Because that's the rule in America. You can mock religion if you're a cartoon dog or a child in a cartoon. But when Jeb Bush says, how strange in our own time to hear Christianity spoken of as some sort of backward and oppressive force... Who else is talking about it that way? Is it Nancy Pelosi? No. Harry Reid? No. Obama? He says he wakes up to scripture on his Blackberry. (laughs) Obama does every show on TV except this one because he can't even be seen with an atheist. I gave him a million dollars. He treats me like I lent him a million (laughs) dollars. So who? Who are we talking about? Hillary? No. Bill? Biden? Al Gore? Al Franken? Elizabeth Warren? Jesse Jackson? Who? Nobody! That's who! Sean Hannity says, the liberal media's war against religion is alive and well. Okay, so it's more of the media thing, like like my friend Ariana from the liberal Huffington Post. Because she's written three books about faith. I know, because we argue about it after sex. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the liberal gang at MSNBC? 
because I've never heard any of them say anything anti-religion. One of them is a reverend. One of them attacks me when I attack religion. Is it the late night guys? Because I never hear any of them do it either. Is it Ellen or Rosie or Chelsea? We know it's not Oprah. Michael Moore, he's the liberal Republicans hate the most. He mu- no, he's a Catholic. <laughs> this guy's so Catholic, he teaches Sunday school on Sunday. <laughs> in the morning, when normal people are just getting in from an after party. <laughs> yeah. I really want to know, where is religion belittled in the liberal world? The New York Times editorial page? No. The Times op-ed page? No. Any newspapers, any page? No. Newsweek and Time? Ah, they put Jesus on the cover more often than Cat Fancy puts a cat. <laughs> Are we talking about athletes? <laughs> if they so much as fart on the field, they point to the sky and give God credit. <laughs> Football players have prayer circles after the game and only half of them have the excuse of brain damage. <laughs> So who? Who? I'm getting mad like you. <laughs> it's catching. <laughs> Maybe they mean counterculture types like devilish musicians. Really? Have you ever watched an award show? Every speech is, I want to thank Jesus, without whom I never would have written face down, ass up. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm glad I got that off my chest. I'll be at the Modell Center in Baltimore, July 11th. Pike Speak Center in Colorado Springs, July 17th, and the Bushnell in Hartford, July 24th. I want to thank Ian Bremer, Nina Turner, Rick Lazio, Louis Black, and Philip Mudd. Join us now on Overtime on YouTube. Thank you, folks. You were great. All new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 11, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more info, log on to HBO.com.